Our scripture reading today comes from Romans 12, verses 3 through 8. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So there was a TED Talk given in 2015 by a guy named Johan Hari, and he's a, a British journalist. And here was the title. It was called, Everything You Know About Addiction is Wrong. And the whole talk is actually really, really interesting. But the introduction just hit me between the eyes. Uh, and it was all about lab rats. So bear with me here. So Hari talked about how in the early 20th century, there, was, there were several experiments uh, performed to learn and study the nature of addiction. And so a single lab rat was put in a cage with two water bottles. One was regular water, one was water laced with some kind of drug. And they just let the rat live and see what happened. And of course, every single time they did this, uh, the rat would end up preferring the drug-laced water and would drink so much of it, eventually would overdose and die. This happened over and over and over again. And this is the story, Hari says, we tell ourselves about addiction. There are chemical hooks in drugs that when used over time, they kind of embed themselves uh, into our brains. We have a physical dependence that can lead to overdose like these rats. And that's the story we generally know about addiction. But he went on to say later in the 1970s, a researcher named Bruce Alexander, who uh, teaches in Vancouver, noticed something wrong with this experiment. The rat in question had nothing to do and no one to do it with. It was alone in a cage. So he recreated the experiment, same two water bottles, but instead of a rat alone he, in a cage, he created a whole different kind of cage. He actually called it rat world. <laughs> where he put all kinds of tunnels and games and colored balls and of course lots and lots of other rats together in rat world and performed the same experiment. What happened? Well, the rats in rat world didn't like the drugged water. None of them used it uh, compulsively. None of them preferred it. And this experiment, right, goes from 100% overdose in isolation and alone to 0% overdose when living happy, connected rat lives. <laughs> now the talk goes on to explain and connect this aha moment to human addiction, which isn't totally the same. But his whole point is, man, everything we know about addiction is wrong. And I'm not sure after I watched it, the title goes far enough. I wonder if for many of us, everything we know about human change and transformation is wrong too. So we're in a series here on Romans chapter 12 about how we change. We've spent the last several weeks laying the groundwork around this idea. And I wonder if for many of us, myself included, 
we just have the wrong story about change. When we imagine ourselves changing or growing, even in our faith, or our character, our spiritual walk, it's largely a story in our minds about me and I, not we and us. And as rat world proves, <laughs> research continues to show how fruitless that individual story uh, really is. And it should be no surprise to us then to know that as research continues uh, to grow in its understanding of human development and change, that research is only ever catching up to what scripture has been teaching us for centuries. So Paul in Romans 12 reminds us here that if we really want to experience the transformation and the life that Jesus has for us, that community and relationships are critical. We cannot do this transformation life alone. So Paul gives us in our text today a powerful uh, picture of the life we were designed to live in community. Now, it's not rat world, so you can let go of that, but he says the church is a body. The church is a body. So if you have uh, Romans 12 handy, if you have your Bible handy, turn to Romans 12, verse 3. Let me just read the first few verses again. Here's Paul. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So I want to spend our time really on this metaphor, the body. What does this mean and, and what does it have to do with how we change and grow in Christ? So we're going to spend actually the next several weeks talking about community and its role in transformation. So if I don't answer every possible question on this text right now, that's okay. We're going to, we're going to keep talking about this. The first thing I want to point out uh, is really what does Paul not mean by the body? What, what, what the body is not. And I think this is important because just like the story we, we tell ourselves about addiction, we tell ourselves a story about how we change and how our church community plays a role in that. And it's probably not a list of priorities and objectives and theories that are really cogently laid out in our minds. It's probably an unconscious, unspoken, but really, really powerful mental picture that guides us in our expectations and our commitment to the church. So Pastor Tom, he actually keyed in on this a, a long time ago. He wrote a book called Ecclesia, which is just about how, how is the church supposed to function? Ecclesia is Greek uh, for the, is the Greek word that we translate church in the New Testament. And he basically pointed out the insufficient metaphors we bring to this conversation. I've updated them just a little bit, uh, but they really bear out. They're, I think they're worth sharing again. So Maybe for some of us, the primary metaphor we bring to our community, our spiritual community, our church, is like a gas station. It's a place we pull in, we fill up, maybe emotionally, we kind of fill our tank, try to feel better before we drive back out on the road and, and we come back when the tank is empty again, whenever that happens to be. Another metaphor that's common that we bring to the church is like Netflix. So Netflix is so church is a place where I come to be entertained, where I hear what I want to hear, I watch what I want to watch, and it's really on them to kind of keep me engaged and moving forward. If I don't like something, I change the channel, I pick a new show, right? It's a very passive relationship. The third metaphor we can bring is like a pharmacy. 
So church is a place where I go because I'm broken and I'm hurting and I need a quick fix. I want to go to the counter. I want to buy the, the drug and it's going to make my life better right away. And if it doesn't, I'm going to move on and try something else. The last metaphor is like churches like Amazon or community is like Amazon. It's a one-stop shop. It's built around my preferences. It's built around my convenience and I can get what I want, when I want it, how I want it. It's a very consumeristic relationship. And the second that that's no longer working for me, I move on and I try a different company. Now there are probably a lot more of these metaphors that we might bring or stories that we might bring to how we understand our spiritual community. But I just wanna make a few observations here with these ones in mind. The first is, you know, I've taught for years on these, a version of these metaphors. This is a part of our leadership class. How do we understand the church? We've talked a lot about this. What I've never done is taught about them during a pandemic. This is the first time. And what I've found is, I think these metaphors are more apparent than they've ever been. I just think they're more obvious than they've ever been. I wonder if some of the pain we're feeling is related to a metaphor problem. So if church right now, for you, feels especially boring, or less emotionally engaging, or less entertaining, or less fulfilling in some vague sense, or just like disappointing, it might be because we've had a picture in our mind of what the church is supposed to be and what it's supposed to do for me that actually wasn't biblical or good in the first place. And I think we all do that to a certain extent. So in other words, if, if these metaphors are our primary picture or expectation for church and community, it, that picture will not survive this pandemic. The pandemic has killed all of those off, right? None of us are as entertaining or as fulfilling or as satisfactory as we wanna be right now. We're just not. So if we're going to stay engaged, we've got to let that stuff go. It's, just, it's not going to work. It's not. That's the first observation. The second, if these are our primary metaphors, we will never change the way God has designed us to. We will not experience transformation if this is how we approach the spiritual community God has put around us. Because none of these metaphors are focused on the community. They're all, notice they're all individual Entertain me, make me feel better, make me feel good. Me, 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 I, I, I. That will never be enough to experience the change and transformation that God has for us. We're just that little lonely rat in a cage. It doesn't work. This is why Paul gives a completely different metaphor from many of these ones we've named. He says we are a body with many parts. That's the essence of what he's sharing here in Romans 12. And I want us to think about that for a minute. So what exactly is the body that Paul is talking about? I think personally, this was Paul's favorite metaphor for how the church functions. He actually gives many metaphors in the New Testament for the gathered community, the local church. Uh, but this one comes up over and over and over again in several of his letters. And here's why I think Paul was attracted to this word picture. Uh, it does at least two things. It highlights two really powerful truths about God's design for the church and how we change in one picture. So the first truth is it shows that the church is, in its essence, a unity in diversity. And you can't miss that really in verse 5. Paul says, we, though many, are one in Christ. Many and one at the same time. And if you think about it, you cannot help but look at a human body and realize it is a diversity of parts with different functions, 
different purposes that are all united in purpose by one body. That's the picture. We are not meant to be a homogenous group that thinks the same and acts the same all across the board. In fact, most scholars think that one of the major reasons that Paul writes this letter to the Roman house churches is because they are having trouble integrating Jewish and Gentile believers together into one church family. And there are lots of historical and cultural reasons for that. But these are two really different groups of people trying to be in fellowship in Christ. And Paul's encouraging them to do just that and us. Because we're designed to be a body unlike the world has ever seen or known. A unity in diversity. The second powerful truth that this metaphor unpacks for us is that the body is made of many parts that are mutually dependent on one another. That's the other emphasis Paul makes. So imagine with me like a bunch of body parts strewn across the floor, which is really gross. I'm sorry, that is gross. But once you get past the grossness, it's like it's also useless. It can't do anything. Paul says in verse 5, we are members of one another. So even if we don't like it, we need each other to be the church God designed us to be. No matter how mad or disappointed or frustrated the hand becomes with the foot, they need each other. They can't function apart from one another. And if we want to grow in health and strength and utility and usefulness and mission, each part needs the whole and the whole needs the part. They're mutually dependent on one another. Now, what is so intuitive to many parts of the world, I think if we share this across most of the globe, this isn't, oh yeah, of course the community really, really matters. But for us as, as Westerners, we are so individualistic. It's, it's the water we swim in. We think, even as I say this, the picture in our mind is still, but yeah, but, but I'm in charge of my own change and, and my life is primarily about what I do and what I think without realizing how dependent we are on other people for the thoughts we think, for the values we have, for the attitudes we share, for the behavior we model. Like who's around us and influencing us really, really matters. So I just want to encourage us as a church right now uh, to do to two calls of action, basically. I just want, I, I want to leave with these two ideas about the importance of community in our transformation. And again, we're going to talk more about this over the next couple of weeks. So here's the first call to action. If you want to grow, commit to this body, this local church. Commit here. And if you're new or you haven't like physically ever been a part of the Leewood campus, just bear with me here. But I want to brag on this church for a minute. And I don't do this in a self-congratulatory way because most, this isn't a, me. We have an amazing body here. It's not perfect, but this, this body of believers, I have seen do incredible things for our community and our world. Not least of which, helping to plant sacrificing to help plant four local churches in Christ's community across our city that is changing lives and reaching people that we never could on our own. That's really, really cool. We're a national thought leader on integrating our Sunday faith and our Monday calling. I, I think our body here has an incredible outsized impact on our community, on our workplaces, on our schools, our neighborhoods. Seriously, I do. This is a good church. This is a good body, but it doesn't work if we're not committed. It doesn't work. The body doesn't function without everybody participating, 
working, engaging, praying for the whole. That means showing up for each other, taking care of each other, and yes, even challenging and pushing each other to grow. It doesn't work without committing to that process. And I sense, even as I talk about this first call to action, that are, are, there are a few challenges that are unique right now to our commitment. I just sense these, let me just share. The first is there's, like a, there's more competition than ever to our commitment, I think. Never before, and I mean this, never before have I sensed the presence of competing allegiances for our faith and attention as believers, as I do right now. And human beings, this, you know, this is just Andrew's opinion, but human beings are like a zero-sum game when it comes to commitment. I think there's a reason Jesus says you cannot serve both God and money, because whatever you put over here, you take away from over here. So our commitments really, really matter. If we disengage from our faith, community, and commitment, our body here, we will put that energy somewhere else. We will commit somewhere else, whether that's online, social media, cable news, political party, somewhere, anywhere. We will put our allegiance there. And, and this, is already, this is documented. This is already happening at an accelerated pace across the country and even in the body. And whatever body we commit to, right, profoundly shapes us. So this is part of our challenge for this series, is, is to remind us that we are not little individuals who go around and make our own minds up about stuff. The community around us, the content we consume, the attitudes we observe and imitate, the people we lift up, the heroes and the stories that we tell, are a central part of who we are becoming. This is why Christian community is so important, because this is the only place where we demonstrate and model to one another what it means to be the body of Christ, a unique family, by forgiving when the world does not, by extending grace in a culture of judgment, and thousands of other behaviors and models of who we are and how we treat each other. Only this body can do that. Only a local body in Christ can do that. And the real danger, there's a real danger I sense, um, that the body of Christ is becoming the second or third or fourth most important community in the lives of many believers. And the pandemic has not helped. That will have a profound effect on who we're becoming because there's only one body of Christ. The second danger I sense in our commitment to this body is just like apathy. So there's a competition problem, but I also sense an apathy problem. And I'm really getting this from my own experience, but also there's some Barna research on the state of the church. This was released back in July, just a few months ago. And it got me concerned. It, it seems that about a third of churched adults, and they define churched adults as monthly attenders before the pandemic, someone who came at least once a month or more. A third of churched adults have self-reported. They have not streamed a service in weeks or months and they have not attended in person at church in weeks or months. And if that's true, then about a third of our body, if that's true for us, a third of our body is not growing in submitting to God's word and in worship together. And that's just a bare minimum of what it means to be a body together. That's, that's the lowest bar. And listen, I, I know, I know that this like isn't perfect. Okay, I, I know. I know that watching on a screen is not perfect. What I'm doing right now is not what we're ultimately designed for. We are designed for way more than this level of engagement together. 
But God has a plan and a purpose, even in this moment. And we need to endure as a body together. So let's commit to this body together. It's, it's God's design, even under really, really hard circumstances to our flourishing and our transformation. This is God's design. So I'm going to give you just a little homework assignment before I move on to our next call to action. Here's your homework assignment. Check in on five people, just five people that you have not heard from or seen in a while. That's a part of our church or part of our body. Uh, Maybe that's a student who's in a group that you lead. Maybe it's a small group member. Maybe it's someone who sat next to you at church. Okay, this is going to take more effort to be the body than it's ever taken because we do not have this organic weekly rhythm of seeing one another in person. So we got to work harder at this, but we can do it. We can be the body. Maybe you're in a community group or something and their leader has been emailing you like, hey, let's, let's re-engage. And you've just been ignoring it because you're overwhelmed. This, this is the time to re-engage. Now, if you're listening to this homework assignment and you're thinking, I don't know five people here. <laughs> okay, this next call to action is for you. If you want to grow, commit to go deeper with this body. Go deeper. Now, for some of you, I just spoke to you, that might just mean taking one little step toward community that makes you maybe a little uncomfortable. Maybe that means um, joining a community group. Maybe that means joining a a study. Uh, But it's time to get off the side. This is so cheesy. It's time to get off the sidelines and into the game. This is the time. Shallow community is not enough. Bodies don't work that way. The body can't move if the foot is asleep. We gotta wake up and re-engage. So for some of us, that's just let's take one step. And we there's lots of there's several ways listed on our website at the Leewood campus homepage of, of ways you can be engaging and growing. And this is the time. Do it. Check, look today and pick something and go for it. For others, perhaps you do know people, but you sense there are not relationships in my life where I feel I can be transparent, where people have permission to challenge me. And where I look at them and I know and I trust the Holy Spirit is using this relationship to sharpen me. I don't have that person. Now we're going to talk about the kind of community that really transforms us in the weeks ahead. So I don't want to say too much right now. But let me just point something out. An opportunity that we have. When life is normal, most of us are really, really good at being okay. When work is normal and school is normal and vacation is normal and sports are normal, right? When everything's back to normal, we think, I don't really need other people in my life. I'm okay. My relationships can stay pretty shallow. I don't know if you've noticed, but nothing is normal anymore. Not one thing is normal. And I'm sensing people are hurting and they're stressed and they are more open to conversation and vulnerability than they've ever been. I know I am. That's a gift. God's doing something through this time to deepen us. So if you're a part of a group or a Bible study or a prayer group, a community group, I want to encourage you to spend more time than ever just loving one another, just caring for one another, listening and praying for each other. Let's go deeper than this shallow surface level stuff. This is the time to do it. Let's bear each other's burdens as, as Paul commands the church to do, especially now. Because that's part of the good news. And this is how I want to end. Jesus didn't die and rise again for me. He did it for us. That's part of the gift. 
to make a family that can endure anything. And this family has endured anything. Famine, persecution, oppression, exile, and yes, even disease and plague. For thousands of years, it has endured. Jesus gave his body to make that body. Even Christ's community, even this church, we were not meant to do this alone. We were not meant to live alone and to change and transform alone. We were given a community for our flourishing. So will you commit to this body together as we grow?